everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, it's Jen Hatmaker, your happy hostess of the For the Love podcast. So, you guys, we are at the end of our For the Love of Parenting series, and it's been just such a treat for me to talk to, well, really all kinds of experts about all the stages and nuances of the never dull world of parenting. So as you know, we wrap every series with a guest nominated by you, our very um, amazing listening community. And so as usual, you did not disappoint on this series. I mean, you guys came out in full force with your nominations, people who are living their awesome lives and doing their thing in this parenting space and inspiring you um, throughout a variety of like stories. And so it was pretty awesome. We were introduced to such great people through your nominations. And so I really want to recommend to you listening right now that you jump over to my Facebook page after you listen to this show, Amanda will have this linked up um, in the transcript and just read all of the wonderful stories that were shared with us about parents you were nominating. I mean, so many amazing people um, to get acquainted with and to put on your radar and to follow. Honestly, um, the team and I were talking, we're like, I wish we could have a hundred, a hundred of the nominated parents um, to close, close out the series because there were so many great examples. We were unable to just pick one. And so I do want you to know that we have two. So as is the case often on the crowdsourced episode, I just can't choose. It's one episode, but we've got two guests on it. And so I am delighted by our first guest on the show today. So you have told us over and over again that we need to get to know her. And I can already tell she's like my just soul sister here. So this is Jamie Amarine. Um, and she's a writer. She's a wife. She's a mom. She lives in North Houston. Um, and she and her husband, Justin, have six kids, count them six, um, Maggie, 23, John, 20, Luke, 18, Sophie, 16, Sam, six, and Charlie, four. So their oldest four are biological. The youngest two, Sam and Charlie, are adopted. And so obviously we had plenty to talk about. So Jamie is the author, actually, of two books. Um, her first is called Stolen Jesus, and it came out last fall. And her next one is called Sacred Ground, Sticky Floors, <laughs> LOL. It hits, my kids, by the way, tell me that I cannot say LOL out loud, that it can only be typed. But you know what? They are not my bosses. Um, so Sacred Ground, Sticky Floors, it comes out this October. So I actually loved talking talking to Jamie. You're going to love this conversation. Um, and we really unpacked some of the hilarity, um, of parenting and also some of the really hard parts about, um, foster and adoption and the beautiful parts of it and what it's taught us and what we've learned. And you're just going to love it. You're going to love her. Um, and so without any further ado, let me introduce you to my first guest on today's episode, Jamie. Jamie, I am thrilled that you've joined us for the parenting series. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited. <laughs> I've been getting to know you through like your blog and your show, your social channels. And I can positively see why so many of our listeners nominated you for this. So, um, we are very kindred in many, many, many ways, um, both parenting and personality. And so I've told, um, our audience already a little bit about you, but for the listeners who are maybe just meeting you, 
Um, I wonder if you could give everybody just like the 411 version of who you are and a little bit about your family. Can you please introduce everybody to the Vandals and Teen Baby and Lady Baby and all the Yoga Boy and Marine <laughs> Baby? You've got a you got a tribe. Um, I do. so can you just like jump in and give us give us the the details? Um, yes. So my name is Jamie Amarine, like you said. I'm an accidental author married to Justin, who's cute as can be, cowboyish guy from Texas. And <laughs> we have four biological children. The lady baby is Maggie, and she is married. Um, they live here in Houston um, near us. And then John is a Marine. He's our Marine baby because he hates me and had to become a Marine. <laughs> Who does it's that? So mean. It's so what mean. What a disobedient child. Luke is our 18-year-old, and he just finished his yoga training. We call him the hippie baby. Sophie <laughs> is so our, our 16-year-old. She's a genius, mm-hmm. and I do rant about that because people are always are like, you must be so proud. I'm like, literally, it was like a science experiment gone wrong. <laughs> Nobody else in our family has these powers to move stuff around the room and play the piano by ear. She's oh. our teen baby. She's a hoot. And then we um, increased our numbers um, with adoption. Sam, we adopted just um, a straight open, ad- or was supposed to be open. We um, Actually, it is closed now, but um, he was 10 days old when we met him for the first time. And um, then we decided he was much younger than everybody else and needed a playmate. So we decided to naively jump into foster to adopt, which I thought mm-hmm. meant foster and adopt. And that's not right. what it means, just for the record. <laughs> and we got Charlie and we call Sam and Charlie the hashtag vandals on social media. <laughs> and so I do get, I get um, emails from the church ladies saying, you shouldn't speak that over them. And I'm like, I'm not speaking over. I'm telling you they're vandalizing like, stuff. This is just a description. <laughs> just I'm not like <laughs> prescribing their life. I'm just telling you I'm what's just up. telling you that they just put another five pound bag of sugar in the toilet and right. the air conditioner is right. raining. So right. what do you want me to call them? My gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm language. not trying to ruin their lives. I just telling it like it is so right um, and we did um so we did foster care uh, our foster license right now is on hold we moved to the houston area um last year during the hurricane just wow. to keep things nice and jazzy we had um a little one with us for two years joy baby yeah. hashtag joy baby mm-hmm. and she left um went home to mama after it was right at almost two years yeah. um last year same time that John left for the Marines. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk a little bit about your path into foster and adoption space. So, um, I read that you, um, that you talk about a dream that -hmm. you had about a baby girl named Allison. And I wonder if, um, if you can tell us about that dream and what you think it meant and how it sort of ultimately led you on this journey. So we had been through a, just a really hard season. Um, the, my husband's father had died of West Nile virus. And then um, almost mm. immediately after that, his brother, his older brother and business partner and our neighbor on our ranch was killed in a car accident. And we just wow. have this really hard, hard, hard season. I, I look back on it now, Jen, and I just can see um, God all over it and what, mm. what he was going to show me. But at the time, this is what I believed. And somebody came to me, up to me at Josh's funeral and said, um, you need to pay attention to what you're doing because God must be trying to show you something. And I was like, yeah. 
something must be amiss. And I attribute that to what I call an if-then Jesus. If you do this, then this happens. If you do good, then good happens. If you do bad, then bad happens. And mm. um, I also call it, you know, trying to catch up to the cross. Pay, pay right. him back or pay, pay it forward. Right. Yeah. Debtor's mentality. Yes. Always exactly. trying to earn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we didn't live next to a volcano to whence I could throw virgins into it. So I went, we'll adopt a baby. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And that will serve the least of these. But I, I had this mm. dream that this little girl said, good morning, mommy. And I said, good morning, Allison. And I called Justin and I went, I want to adopt a baby. And he went, I'll call you back and hung up on me. <laughs> right. Essentially <laughs> what Brendan Hatmaker said to me when I said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, new phone, who this? <laughs> who is this? Right. So he called me right back and he said, I understand what you're saying. I understand where you're coming from, but I've just been through this horrible thing and I can't do this. Hmm. And I, I, I just said, he said, I will call our, our lawyer. And he said, and ask him which agency to use. But that's it, Jamie. I, I, I can't be full on with this right now. Hmm. So he called and he said, you have to remember, this could take months for this lawyer to call me back. They just don't make calls. They don't call back. And he called me back within like three minutes. And he said, Christian Holmes. Sure. And I was like, he, I said, he, he called you back. And he said, he answered the phone. His secretary picked up their son from Christian Holmes yesterday. Hmm. And nine months from that day, we met Sam. But the hmm. name Allison was always there, but it evaded me. I was like, why would he say that? And then I knew Sam was ours. Like he was, that was our son. Mm. And so I looked into it and it meant of noble birth. And in this journey, from that time, what I realized, all the things that he set me up for, all these, every desire in my heart to serve single mothers, my love for children, my love for mamas in general, was mm. this message of a noble birth. And that is that we are of noble birth. As believers, we are part of a restoration story. He has restoration in mind for all of us. Mm-hmm. And it's so dear to me. Um, and and it's it's hard to to actually be here saying these things to you as and not have a foster child in our home right mm-hmm. now. But we've we've been through this season where there was a removal and people have questioned that. That's one thing that always mm-hmm. comes up. I'm afraid I'll get hurt is my, you know, the one that always comes up. And I am so glad that I did what I did the first time that I heard about Charlie. Um, because now I can speak with authority to this. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm so afraid I'll get hurt. And we got the call. We have a little boy. He's alone three months old at the hospital and he's injured. Will you come sit with him? And I said, is he adoptable? Mm. And she said, I don't know, Jamie, but he's here alone and he's hurt. And I was so undone by the fact that I was, a no from me at that place was a no from fear and a yes to a lack of belief. Right. I feel like we're missing out on restoration for ourselves and for these families. Mm -hmm. So um, I said no. And then I hung up the phone, turned around and Justin was there and he was like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. So we went and that's how we ended up with Charlie. Mm -hmm. Um, how long ago was that? So that was in March of 2015. Right. Okay. So at that time, you guys already had, you had four kids, which is already kind of a lot. 2014. And Sorry. they were all like teens and tweens, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys come home and you're like, 
you know, surprise baby time. Um, so how did the kid, how'd your big kids receive this news? And, and also like, what did your friends and your family say about it? So our kids were all on, they were, they, they loved it. I think one of the best things about it, having little kids, when you have big kids, it's, there's a level of compassion that you can instill in your children by being around little people. I'm, I always say that when it comes to bullying or anything, we just need to bring babies in (laughs) because Mm. it just, they just, they just do something and it was just healing and it was wonderful. My family and Justin's family were both at first like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And because it was not something that anybody on either side of our family had done. And, and two, initially my dad was like, I have a friend that's daughter has lost six foster kids. You know, I mean, there's always Mm -hmm. those, those horrible stories. Um, but, and, and, and our friends, I think the hardest thing with our friend, Justin just turned 50. And so we get on mm-hmm. Facebook and our friends are in Cancun and we go, Oh, Cancun. And we're cutting, right. cutting crust off sandwiches right. and unclogging the toilet totally. again. Right. Right. I'm but, cutting grapes and forks. Yes, yes exactly. I'm still dicing grapes. I know. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's that, but they, they've, they've, it was a breath of fresh air in so many ways. Mm. And it was a breath of fresh air, not only just with the kids, but I, I'm naive in this way. I had no idea. They'd kind of said that the birth families wouldn't want to interact with you, but I was, I was like, why? Mm. I'm, why wouldn't you want to be friends with me? Mm-hmm. And they didn't, but some of them mm. did. And we still have contact with Charlie's family. And I love that. Yeah. And I identify with that. Um, this has been a real key part of our adoption story too. Um, when we went into adoption, and of course our stories are similar and different in that we, uh, we had an international adoption, but you know, my initial, I, I went into the adoption world so green. I mean, absolutely naively and dangerously green. And so my thought was, oh, well, when you go into adoption, you adopt orphans like that don't have parents, mm-hmm. you know, they're all alone in the world. There's nobody, there is no safety net. There is no extended family. That was what I expected to find. And of course in the world, almost all of the world's orphans have at least one living parent. Mm-hmm. I mean, both here and abroad. And that was the case for both of my children. They're not biologically related, but they both had one living parent and family and you know this community and it was way more complicated in our case poverty driven than anything else and so um a couple of i, I want to unpack that with you for a second because a couple of years ago you wrote a little bit about what life has been like since you went to pick up sam and bring him home and you you touched on something that for obvious reasons has it resonates with me and probably with a lot of adoptive um, mom is, this is, this is what you wrote. You, you wrote, um, this day, I wonder about his birth mom and I pray she is well. I wish we could talk. I'm grateful for her bravery and love, but most, but I most think of her on Saturday mornings, any given Saturday morning, she crosses my mind. I picture her making pancakes, cartoons blaring in the background, her other children wrestling on the rug. And I wonder if on Saturdays, if she thinks of Sam too. No rushing around to get the kids to school, no buses to catch or legends to pack. And I wonder if she dreads Saturdays when there's more time to think. Um, I appreciate you writing that and want you to know that the, these sorts of thoughts and this knowledge is the stuff that took our breath away, um, in adoption. And as we began to really deeply understand that adoption, all of it 
it begins with loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there beautiful parts that unfold? Yes, undoubtedly so, but it all begins with loss and it's the kids loss and it's their parents, their birth parents loss. And, and sometimes those losses just compound. And so, um, I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the birth moms and the, and the connection that you do or don't keep, because there's advantages and disadvantages there. And there's wonderful things and hard things about that and, and, um, your relationship with them. And, and I'm thinking about some of our listeners who that they're thinking this piece feels too scary. This, this part where, um, you know, there's a mom or there's a dad or both in the picture. And I don't, I either totally don't want to be connected or I totally do want to be connected and either way. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if you can talk a little bit more about that in your experience and your perspective. So I, I always said the same thing about foster adoption and foster adoption most certainly always begins with a tragedy. And so we have, you know, we can have this sweet, tender story that we tell um, about Sam's last interaction with his birth mother. She did choose not to have any contact with us. And I do, um, I do wish that I had that. I have, um, I, I see him do things and I, and there's somebody I want to share that with. Um, and, and I know that not everybody feels that way, but because I do have a, such a heart for mamas. I, I think about her. Um, and I've had people say stuff like she was not from here. She was from, um, Mexico and well, mm-hmm. it's different. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. She was his mother and she made yeah. a huge sacrifice because she was worried about her other children's well being, and she wanted mm-hmm. something better for him. And that's not different. That's exactly what motherhood is. Right. Um, and, and it has kind of a sweet, story that goes along with it that we we are able to share with him and charlie's story isn't like that um Mm. and we do have contact with his brothers and grandmothers and and things like that but it's a harder story it's a heavier story Mm. but i am in the process of all of this what i've come to know and understand and i think is so imperative for our christian community to understand is that we serve a God of restoration. And when we choose to believe that he's fully good, he's not out to get us, he's not out to teach us something harsh, but that he's inviting us to be restored and be part of restoration, to be his hands and feet, and to let others be hands and his hands and feet to us. And I have a great amount of peace about raising these two boys hmm. with this hard beginning this hard story this story of loss and i i feel confident and maybe it's foolish but i feel confident that my confidence in their restoration story and their god will play a huge part in the confidence that they have in who they are in christ and why they were adopted and why we're all adopted i agree and um one thing that we've learned, so we adopted Ben and Remy um, when they were eight and five, and now they are 15 and 12. Um, so we've, we've had them for seven years. And <clears throat> one thing I've learned with them as we've walked through so many stages of grief and loss, and then we've watched how um, sort of grief 
goes through a new iteration once you hit adolescence mm-hmm. that you weren't able to 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 process when you were five, you know, now we're in the sort of their teen stage of processing their stories. And, and when we keep it really open, I mean, we've, we go back to Ethiopia about every year. And last time we took Ben with us and, um, to see his mom and we're deeply in connection with her family and also with Remy's and, and that has been a real beautiful, bright spot in the story. Um, and so much restoration to your word. I I mean, I I could talk for a hundred hours about it, but uh, almost miraculous and extraordinary and wonderful. But, um, one thing we've, I've learned from my kids, um, because I think a lot of parents listening think, well, what will I do? I will do this. I will do this adoption. I will bring in these kids. I will rescue. I will love them. I will help restore them. And really that's not true. It's, we're way less centered in the story than the narratives make everybody think, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is a big white mama's adoption story. Mm -hmm. You know, that's actually not, the case at all. We've learned a lot from our kids and we've learned a lot from their birth cultures and their birth families. And specifically to my kids point is, um, we've watched them work really hard on pain and tension. And we've watched them work on grief and resiliency and being able to hold two things in each hand that this part of life was really hard and really sad and still is. And this part of my life is really happy and really connected and really wonderful. And that's all true all at the same time. And so I'm not convinced that pain is um, the the worst thing that a parent can think of mm-hmm. when it comes to our kids. And I think that's what we're wanting to avoid mm-hmm. at all costs. How can I avoid pain? Maybe foster and adoption is just too much here. I just can't handle it all. But um, it's been a great teacher in our family, a yes. really wonderful teacher. And we've learned kind of to lean into it together as a family. And my kids have taught me a lot. Um, I remember one time um, when I was tucking um, Ben into bed and we had just recently, we had just found out um, that his mom had remarried, which we'd known, but we had found out that day that she was pregnant. And before then, Ben was an only child. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and she was pregnant and, and, and is such a stable place and healthy and renewed in so many ways. And it was a really hard day and it was really, really hard on Ben. And I remember going up to his bed that night and I just sat with him and, you know, I said, but I just, how are you feeling? Cause all your feelings are valid today. And, and he said, mom, I think I'm just, and this is a kid who at the time was probably, I mean, honestly, he was probably 10. And he said, I think I'm just going to have to learn in my life, um, how to be happy and sad all at the same time. And I thought that kid's teaching his mom a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thank you for letting me just, I haven't talked, told that story in a really long time, but, um, you said that when you entered into the process of foster care and adoption, you had this feeling like you're serving God, Mm -hmm. right? Essentially by opening your home and your heart to Sam and to Charlie. Um, but you've since come to look at it differently. And I know I have too. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about that evolution. I, um, remember when I think one of the biggest monumental changes in my understanding of God was when we thought we were going to lose Charlie and we'd had him a Mm -hmm. long time and we didn't have the funds to intervene and he was going to probably go somewhere that we were not going to be able to ever see him again. And um, I, 
was at the police station in my pajamas filling oh out <laughs> a missing person report because one of our kids stole my car. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it was like this gut-wrenching moment of, who am I? What am I doing? Because I'm a foster mom and adoptive. And then I've got a juvenile delinquent on the loose. And, you know, I'm standing here with no bra and my pajamas crying. And I went home and ate half a gallon of ice cream on my closet floor and just sobbed. And I felt like everything was so out of control. And I said out loud to God, how are you going to pick? I, my life is a mess. I just binge ate Ben and Jerry's my kid's missing. I'm about to lose this little boy who is going to wake up in somebody else's house and wonder where that crazy woman went that loved him. And I, and I love you and I'm serving you. What, who are you going to pick? Because I know Charlie's family really has hit a hard season, but I know they love you. I know they know about you and I know you want restoration. Who are you going to pick? And mm. I all but auto, it was like my, my rock bottom I all but audibly heard him say, I picked all of you. Mm-hmm. I picked all of you. And it was, it was me learning. He picked all of us. And I, I think that we get so caught up in, in the guarding of our hearts and, you know, be careful, be careful, be careful. And, and the fear of grief, which is what I love what you said, what Ben said, because I've been saying this for two years and I can't even recognize myself when I say this, but grief is the celebration of a loss. It's a celebration. It's an emotion that He gave us so that we could go through all of the things with Him in the arms of a God that adores us and wants restoration for us. And it's not about what we can do to make one thing go one way or one thing go the other way. It wasn't Ben and Jerry's or crack cocaine. It wasn't who was better or what. It was how the restoration story was going to go. And it was believing Him that then allowed us to say yes to Joy Baby. We knew that there was risks. We knew that it was going to be hard, but he was so magnificent in all of it. And still looking back on it, I just, I'm just in awe of what he set free in me through foster care and adoption. It's so good. And it's so true. And there's no way of even knowing what's on the other side of that. Yes. You know, on the other side of that leap, we couldn't, we couldn't possibly know. Um, but there is this faith moment where you're like, there's something so wonderful and healing and restoring and beautiful on the other side of this. I don't know what it's going to be. And it's some, some of it's going to include loss and sadness and grief too, but it's all still worth mm-hmm. the yes. Um, and I would, uh, absolutely co-sign on that message. That's been, um, our experience too. So let me ask you this. So let's helicopter up just a bit and just talk parenting for a minute. Okay. Um, so what's it been like now to parent kids in such different stages in life? I never did this. All my kids are two years younger than the one ahead of them. So it's just like this pack of wolves, right? They're all kind of the same. Um, and so, you know, you've got the vandals down at the bottom and then you've got these grown children up at the top. So how is it different for you parenting the littles at this stage in your life rather than the first round? Parenting, I always, I liken it to writing. I've unraveled so many things about myself by writing, but the truth is that that's with parenting too. You bring home this newborn and you've got your book of how you're going to do it. You have no idea what's going to happen. And you have no idea. 
No idea. And, and so that actually fascinates me too, because people will say that, well, what if they grow up and da, 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 da. And I'm like, your own right, kid could do, do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> your, your biological children are just as likely to steal a school bus as your I adopted mean, totally. children. Yes. So that, that it's that, that idea of wrapping your mind around all of us are broken and all of us are capable of just about anything. Mm. But, um, there was humanity in my parenting. I think that was more obvious because I wasn't super, super confident. I loved being a mom, even though I wasn't positive that I was great at it. I loved hmm. it. And, um, and I still love it. It's funny. It's fun. Funny, funny, funny. I mean, are you kidding me? I built a whole career around this I stuff. I know, right? Like, um, know. sometimes people are like, why do you have so many kids? I'm like, well, at the bare minimum, it's material. Like just yes. at the rock bottom of it all, it's content. Yes. So, I mean, every day is hilarious. And that age that they are, gold. Oh, I know. Gold. And, you know, the second round, second go around, you just enjoy it. Oh, like, yeah. Because you know it's all going to be okay. It's going to work out. They're going to grow up. It's going to be fine. Yes. And now you're not, I, I mean, I would for sure be a more chill mom right now if I started over. Oh, yeah. Um, than I was at 23 when I have had a baby and raised him by the book. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I love it so much. So we're going to wrap this up. These are just some quick rapid fire questions okay. that we have asked everybody in the parenting series. Um, so tell us just to this top of your head, something your parents used to say that you're like, I'm totally not going to say that. And I'm never going to say that. And you say it. Oh, the Christmas threat. I'm going to cancel Christmas. If you don't stop, oh I'm going to get, and I was like, that's so lame. You can't cancel Christmas. It's just so easy to reach for. It is. It's just right there. Just available. pull it out. Just rake it out from underneath them and they can never have Christmas again. <laughs> just, talk about call our bluff. They could call <laughs> our bluff on that so easy. They just don't know. It. I know. <laughs> um, okay. So tell us what would you consider one of your biggest, like, uh, mom fails? Mom fails. Oh gosh. There's so many. Oh, same. Uh, I, I, so um, probably every emergency room visit from like 1995 to 2006, I just, okay. that panic, that's like the confessional of motherhood. And yeah. so yeah, I took Maggie to the emergency room one time because she, she was two and a half and she started throwing this fit in Target and it was so out of character for her. I took her to the emergency room and they did like brain scans and all oh these tests and they were waiting and we're just faded breath. Oh my husband's wrong with her. And the doctor came out and he's like, I feel like she really oh wanted a Malibu Barbie. That'll be three thousand dollars. Dead right now. Right. <laughs> Is it possible? You just spent the twelve ninety nine on it. <laughs> yes. This has been a better day. It would have been you. a better day. Oh uh, yeah, I don't I, but I did it all like it was just it's your kids get hurt or something goes wrong and it just, oh we got to go to the emergency room. And I, with the vandals, it's like rub some dirt on that. <laughs> oh my gosh. 100%. Although yeah. you'll have to go back and look on my Facebook page. Cause just a couple of days ago, uh, we did a whole thread of like times my kids said their arm hurt and I told them to put, to go to bed and it was broken in four yes. places. I mean, it was like <laughs> thousands of comments, like yeah. just absolutely thousands. I mean, we all have them. Last question. We ask literally every guest on the whole podcast, this question, it's from Barbara Brown Taylor. Um, what is saving your life right now? Uh, gumballs. I, I gumballs. love gumballs. I love you. Do. <laughs> I, do. I love the destruction of them. I love the biting into, I love everything, <laughs> the hard counting. And I, so I buy them in books, something about gumballs. They're life giving <laughs> to me. <laughs> I, I think that because like you chew them, them and then you burn the yeah. calories. So I don't think that oh. counts. I don't know for like, I'm not a scientist, but I think that 
the chewing of them negates the calories. Well, it has to at least break even. Somewhat. I mean, I validate this right now. I really do. Thank you. Can you please tell everybody um, how to find you, what you're doing, how to, all, all the things about that? Okay. So you can find me at sacredgroundstickyfloors.com. You can email me at sacredground.stickyfloors at gmail.com. And I'm on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram. I love my Facebook family and they're just my people. I love them. Mm -hmm. Um, I am uh, launching my second book, which you can find more about on on my Facebook page, um, if anybody's interested in that. Uh, I'm finishing my third book, which comes out next October, and it's actually called Sacred Temple Lumpy Thighs. And it (laughs) is about, um, it's about body image, but it's also about our identity in Christ. So Sacred Ground Sticky Floors, How Less Than Perfect Parents Can Raise kind of great kids comes out this October and um it's I'm really excited about it. Perfect. Listeners, we will have all of that linked um on the podcast page at jenhatmaker.com and all of Jamie's socials and everything if you didn't catch that, if you did not have time to write all that down. <laughs> we will have all that for you. So Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for finding like the beautiful and the ridiculous in all of it. I think that's just the only way we get through it all. Um, And so it was just a delight to meet you. I'm so very happy to introduce you to all my fabulous listeners. They're going to adore you for sure. Oh, thank you. It was so fun. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey guys, I wanted to break into the show for a minute to ask you a question Who around here loves to clean? There's somebody out there who probably does, God bless you, but most of us dread it. But what we do all love is when everything is clean, right? So a while back, I discovered something that makes cleaning more fun, better smelling, and healthier. Grove Collaborative. They make it easy to discover the very best natural cleaning products to take care of your home and your family and deliver it right to your door. My love language. Grove Collaborative carries so many great brands like Method, my very favorite, Mrs. Myers, and Burt's Bees. Also some of their own label stuff. And get this, there is a slew of fall scents available soon like Apple Cider, Peony Blossoms, Mum, and crowd favorite, Pumpkin. Who doesn't love pumpkin in the fall? So because we are all about telling you the things we love to make life a little easier, and in this case, better smelling, We've partnered up with Grove Collaborative to extend an offer to you, our beloved listeners. You can take advantage of this awesome new customer offer so that everyone listening can try your own box of Grove stuff. This special offer comes with a free Mrs. Meyer gift set that's worth $30. So when you place your order of $20 or more, you get Mrs. Meyer's hand soap, dish soap, multi-surface spray, a kitchen towel, plus free shipping and a VIP trial membership. So to get all this, you've got to go to grove.co slash for the love. So it's not grove.com. It's grove.co slash for the love. Now back to our show. Hey guys, welcome back to the second half of our parenting crowdsourced episode. As I told you at the top of the show, you nominated so many fabulous people 
in the parenting sector that we couldn't choose. So we chose two. And so I'm thrilled to introduce our second guest of the program to you. She is fierce. She is tough. I'm telling you, this lady is the authentic, real deal. Her name is Diane Doko Kim. She's a writer. She's a wife. She's a mom. She served 25 plus years in church leadership. And in 2004, her oldest son, her first son, Jeremy, was diagnosed with autism. Uh, additionally, ADHD, ADD, all at age two. So this triggered some pretty profound personal and professional and spiritual crises for Diane, which she's going to talk about. Um, but since 2008, she has served as a disability ministry consultant. And in 2012, she launched an online ministry for special needs families. So Diane and her husband, Eddie, they live in Silicon Valley and they've got two sons, Jeremy and Justin. Uh, Diane actually just released her very first book and it's called Unbroken Faith spiritual recovery for the special needs parent and released it to absolutely rave reviews and all the stars. Um, so without a doubt, Diane is equipping all kinds of people with knowledge, um, that they are hungry for. So I actually, you're going to love this interview. I love talking with her. She's funny. She's spicy. Um, she gave me an insight into a world that I want and need to learn more about. So frankly, since one in 50 families has a kiddo with autism, this is literally something that affects all of us. And so I thank Diane so much in advance for teaching us how to be better neighbors and friends to families who have kids with special needs um, and how to create, create safe spaces for them and how to hold the hands of fellow parents who are caregivers for the long haul. Um, plus, you guys, wait until you've got to get all the way in because um, when she tells you at the very, very end about her mom fail, you're just going to die laughing. I'm still laughing about it. Um, she's fabulous. And as always, we will have all of her information linked over on the transcript page. Um, if you'd love to hear more from her, she is a wealth of information and knowledge in the most gracious and wonderful way. So I'm so excited for you to meet her. So here comes Diane. Diane, I am just tickled pink that you have joined us um, to wrap up the parenting series. Thank you for being here. It is a total honor to be here. So thank you for having me. No, honestly, the honor is mine. And I was just telling you um, before we started recording that it was really, really fun to watch your community rally around you. I mean, they came, they showed up yeah. to get you on this podcast. And um, and I was telling you that always signals to me like, oh, pay attention here because this is somebody special. This is her people are loyal and she has developed some really wonderful community. And um, they, they were going to see you on here, lady. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. they are the most amazing people. So listen, I've told my audience a little bit about you already, but for the listeners who, who may not know you and you're new to them, can you give everybody just a snapshot of who you are and who's in your family and just kind of the 411 on, on Diane? Right. Real quick. Um, my name is Diane and uh, my husband and I have been married for 19 years and we live in Silicon Valley and we've been serving in bivocational ministry for about 25 years. And we have a 16 year old son named Jeremy. And uh, we also have a 12 year old son named Justin. Okay. I love it. Silicon Valley, man, you're just doing it over mm -hmm. there, aren't you? Well, we're doing so something. you're Right. I love California. I have this like dreamy eyed feeling about California. And the reason is because I don't live there and pay property taxes. Yeah. So 
like I can just feel real moony about living in California um, because I don't have to um, pay to live there. But so your older son, Jeremy, yeah. your older son, Jeremy was diagnosed with autism in 2004 when he was two, right? Mm -hmm. So I wonder as a young parent then, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that that news probably rocked your world, rocked your expectations. And I, I wonder if you can talk about that, that time a little bit, that experience. Um, like, tell us, what were you noticing about Jeremy's behavior? How did, how did you cope? How did your husband cope? Like just right there in that initial diagnosis and like shortly thereafter. Right. So this is back in 2004 and we had just returned to the States from serving a year abroad on missions. And Jeremy was 18 months at the time and he wasn't talking but, you know, this is our first kid. And so we just thought he might be confused mm. over all the different languages that he heard abroad. So we just gave him a little mm. bit of time. So we had him checked out for a speech delay. Turned out not to be a speech delay. We had him tested for, you know, hearing and all these other things. And so mm. about six months and a whole bunch of other tests later, the results came back as autism. And yeah. I wish I could tell you that I responded in a way that you would think a former missionary would respond. Mm. <laughs> but I didn't. I was mm. totally wrecked. I was so destroyed sure. and I felt betrayed by God. Like, okay, we just stepped off mm. the mission field and committed ourselves to full-time ministry. And you're going to give us this, like, what's up with that? And so I really didn't handle that. Well, um, mm. I think we handled it like normal human beings would, That's right. you know, whether you've got the label of former missionary or church leader or whatever. But I think there's this misconception that, um, you know, in the faith community that we can't be real in our pain. We can't be real totally. with God um, when grief strikes. So, yeah, so I, that kicked off like a five-year depression of me just pretty much yeah. raging at God. Like, how could you do this to us? Hmm. This is what we get after we have tried to serve you and all of that. Totally. And, um, you know, my husband, he was a worship leader at the church at the time. So he'd go up and exhort the congregation to trust God and hmm. praise him. And, you know, worship leader's wife is sitting in the back, people with their arms crossed going, you know what? Y'all can do this, yeah. but I'm not feeling it. Totally. Yeah. So that was a period of about five years. I really appreciate you saying that. I do. Thank you for saying that. I, you know, I, I've, I come from a long line of pastor people. So my dad was mm -hmm. one. I mm -hmm. accidentally married one. Um, <laughs> I am one. And I really appreciate you just saying that there's this bizarro expectation sometimes that, that a, a faith in a full-time capacity, in a career capacity can inoculate you somehow against fury or disappointment with God or anger or disillusionment. That's just fundamentally not true. And I think that idea, um, creates a lot of unhealthy ministry leaders and their families. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I appreciate your honesty about that, that it wasn't even just five minutes. It was five years. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, you know, this, cause you've been in ministry for so long. That's so normal. That's just so normal. There's nothing weird about that. That's no indicator of a lack of faith or anything. Yeah. It's just sometimes ministry families aren't given the same permission to be a human, exactly. um, in the, in spite of suffering. So, so back to Jeremy. Mm. And, um, I love that we're talking about this because tons of my listeners, yeah. um, have kids somewhere on the spectrum, um, mm. or they, it affects their lives in some way. I mean, this is the numbers are so high in right. our culture. And so what's it been like, what's growing up been like, um, for Jeremy, what have his victories been? And, and for you as his mom, what's been the hardest thing to watch him struggle through? Mm. Um, 
I think for him, from his perspective, life hasn't been good. He's he's a pretty happy kid, and for that, I'm really grateful. Uh, he's a happy-go-lucky guy, always singing, always humming, sometimes mm. a little too much. Mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from his perspective, you know, he's had a good life. He has parents who love him and a community that rallies around him. Um, but can I ask you a question, real quick? Just absolutely. to, to so is is Jeremy verbal? Is he mm. medium verbal? Like where is he sort of in terms of? Um, where he falls on the spectrum. Right. That's a great question because, you know, I live with him 24-7, but y'all don't. Um, so he is nonverbal. He's considered uh, classic autism. Um, he's okay. He attends a classroom for moderate to severe kids with autism, and he's nonverbal. So, well, preverbal. Okay. He can make basic requests like, I want this, but it's not like you can have a conversation with him. And he does require okay. somebody to watch him all the time. That's helpful because, as you know, it's a really wide um, array. Right. And so, you know, there's all sorts of levels of care and need. And so thank you. I appreciate you shedding some light on that. So back to the question. So, so he is immensely loved. He is deeply Mm. cared for. How old is he right now again? He is 16. Yeah. 16. Sweet and sour 16. And so as a, as your, as his mom, what's been delightful to watch? What's been difficult to watch? I would say because he's not vulnerable, the hardest part is the communication piece that he can't articulate when he's sad or hurt. And it's just a process of elimination when there's Mm. something wrong, when he's struggling, when he's hurt. Um, It's literally a process of elimination because he can't tell us. And so that's that's really difficult for a mama heart. And Mm. I think related to that is because he struggles with social skills, he really doesn't have that many friends. And so my husband and I are super social, you know, we're in ministry and we're, you know, just surrounded by people. And um, so that's been really painful for me to see that he's really limited in his friends. So he doesn't get invited Mm. to the parties. Um, His brother gets invited to all the parties. And so there's that contrast there. Um, But I think those are the two hardest parts, the communication, not being able to communicate with each other Mm. and know what's really in his heart. Totally. I mean, you're, you're touching on things that I, I deeply identify with and I don't have any kids with autism. Those are, these are just, these are the desires of a mom for, for a kid. Yeah. So I can imagine how that, that feels for you. So let me ask you this, because I think this is a, this is a, probably a question you get a lot. So, um, committing your life to raising kids is hard period. And it can definitely put a strain on couples, but maybe even more so, right? With the added responsibility of guiding kids with special needs of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you and your husband, Eddie, have stayed connected through this, how you've protected your marriage through this, um, how you've sort of said, okay, this is, we're going to grow stronger in this, not more fragmented in this. Mm. You know, that's, it's a great question. I wish I had a great answer to give you. Um, we get asked this all the time. So I actually asked my husband about this last night and he goes, God, it's God. It's the grace Mm -hmm. of God. I'm like, okay, yeah, but I need you to unpack that a little bit. (laughs) I need a longer answer for the podcast, Eddie. These are women that we'll be talking with, not dudes. Um, (laughs) And so I spent some time thinking about that and Mm -hmm. there wasn't anything intentional that we did. And so the short answer is he's right. It's the grace of God guiding Mm -hmm. us. Um, but you know, I'm trying to unpack this. And I think one of the things is we gave each other space to grieve and grieve differently. Mm -hmm. So for me, grieving and grieving thoroughly, that's first base when trauma hits, whether it's a disability or a diagnosis or anything, Mm -hmm. give ourselves permission to grieve. And I think it was really helpful that we recognize, or at least gave each other space that 
moms grieve differently from dads. Mm, that's such and a I great think, point. Yeah, this is where a lot of couples really struggle. It's like, you know what, the time that you need to lean into each other the most and give each other the most grace is when you're both freaking out, but you're freaking out mm. differently. And oh, if you're getting man. pissed at each other, because you're not freaking mm. out in the same way, that's mm. just that's just, you know, I really believe that stress makes good marriages better and bad marriages worse. Mm. And Great so point. that's just, it's a choice that you have to make moment by moment. Are we going to be in each other's side? Are we going to have each other's back and just give each other grace and go, okay, the person that I'm dealing with right now is not a healthy person. This is a heart sick mm. person. That's and so, so to good. give each other that grace. And I think practically we did a lot of tag team, um, mm. really tag team, just even on a practical level. Like if I'm dealing with, you know, a situation or my son, um, either of them, and my husband can hear, okay, Diana's oh, yeah. reaching the danger <laughs> right, zone. Right. She needs a timeout. Yeah. We need that input and output in order to come back home and give everything we've got to this family. So tag team. Wow. Yeah. Basically, everything you just said is great marriage advice, period. Mm. I mean, I can see how this would be absolutely mission critical when you've got extra stressors in the family yeah. and sort of in the parenting structure. But I mean, heck, even as you're talking about the early stages of grieving and, and how different it sometimes looks. I want to talk a little bit about your book. Good job, you. Congratulations Aww. on a beautiful offering to the world. It's called Unbroken Faith. And so I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about the book, um, why you felt inspired to write it, because writing a book is no joke. I mean, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. Um, and then if you could talk, like, what would a key takeaway or two be for any of our listeners that they might find um, in your book and who else, frankly, could benefit from it besides just um, parents who are parenting kiddos with special needs. Unbroken Faith is a book that I had never planned to write. So back in 2004, when disaster struck and we're just, just drowning, um, you know, at that time. And, you know, as we talked about when you're in ministry and you're kind of up there, you feel like you kind of have to fake it till you make it. I poured everything that I had into a password protected document. And wow. that's where God and I would basically do business. And so for that period of five years, I'm wrestling with God. I'm wrestling with the word of God. It was pretty much my own, like Jacob at Mount Peniel moment where sure. I wrestled with him all night. But mm -hmm. the thing is, um, you know, when a mere mortal takes on an almighty God, usually the almighty wins. But that usually goes that way. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Right. But it's a glorious <laughs> defeat. So after about mm -hmm. five years, God didn't necessarily heal my son of his autism and, mm. you know, the four other diagnoses that would come along in the next few years, but God chose sure. to heal me, my faith. Wow. And the very thing that I thought would drive me away from him is the very thing that he used to draw me closer to him. So, okay, great. Thanks, God. You helped me out. So that was, you know, about five years. And so I had this password protected document and God had healed me. And then in 2010, um, he called me to start ministering to other special needs families with the comfort that I had sure. received from Christ. You know, God tends to do that. That's how it goes. Yeah. Misery turns to ministry. Right. I've seen it a million times. Absolutely. I, Rick Warren says, like, your greatest tragedy is going to be your very source. I'm butchering it. But, you know, basically, God is going mm -hmm. to repurpose your greatest pain into your greatest ministry. And that's exactly what he did. So I started yeah. meeting with all of these moms and parents. And I found out, you know, we were attending a multi large multi-ethnic church at the time, you know, different backgrounds, different diagnoses, different ethnicities, different socioeconomics. But no matter what, no matter who I talked to, we had all had the same basic questions. And that was, how could God let this happen? Why me? Why my kid? Why us? Is he going to fix this? And if he's not going to fix this, how am I going to trust him again? And what 
does the Bible, this 2,000-year-old document, have to do with the gritty realities of my life today? And so I'm listening to all these families and going, oh, well, you know, I want to preach, but this is how God answered it for me. And so I would go back, unlock the password protected document, clean up some of the words, um, make it suitable for church consumption. Oh, sure. I'm familiar right. with the first draft. It's a little bit gritty. Yes. Right. I know it well. And so I would just go back and share, well, you know what? This is how God answered that issue for me. This is how God answered that issue for me. I'm sure that one thing that you've discovered is once you have put out such a useful and helpful body of work, that you're a magnet you know, for those stories and for those families and those parents, which is both beautiful yeah. and it's also hard. Um, and so you really have, you really put your hat in the ring there um, for the long haul. And I can only imagine how many parents are grateful for it. And uh, speaking of other parents, I, I wonder um, what, what encouragement, I'm just thinking of some of my, some of my listeners right now. Um, what encouragement or advice or counsel would you give to, to a parent who's listening today, who was just given a really recent diagnosis um, mm-hmm. for her child? I think as we said, first base is to give yourself permission to grieve. Feel all the feels, however conflicted they may be, bring it before God. He's big enough. He can handle it. Um, And it's not like an omniscient God doesn't know what's going on under the hood anyway. And this That's was right. a big aha for me in that period of five years of struggling. Uh, I've heard a lot of moms say, and, and we've been through some suffering with our kids. It didn't have mm-hmm. to do with so much a diagnosis as just uh, pain. And mm-hmm. um, and there's this sense that as a parent, you're supposed to handle it a certain way. Like mm-hmm. somebody wrote a script somewhere and we bought into it. And so there's a lot of like shame around yeah. how we actually feel. Um, and how furious and disappointed and upset we actually are. And I appreciate you peeling back the curtain there and saying, no, 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 just, just bring it all. That's, that's Mm -hmm. honest. And that's true. And really that's the only way through it. There is not a side door, um, around pain. It just, it has to be born. So I wonder while we're kind of here on this, um, topic, probably something that a lot of people don't really consider are what I would imagine to be a handful of unique, um, challenges, um, (laughs) that, um, Christian parents Mm. of kiddos with special needs and their families face. And I, I wonder if my thought on that is right. If there is an an added layer of shoulds or should nots on top of those families. Um, and so, I mean, that was exactly you, you were the center of that bullseye. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, there's a unique package of stuff that we have to deal with. It's just so many multi-levels. Um, I think number one is, you know, when a diagnosis strikes, the first question is why, where did this come from? And one of the things that parents like me have to deal with is just this bad theology of what I call Christian karma. Mm, very and good. We know that there is no Christian karma. You know, there is no condemnation in Christ. And so, you know, there's blame. Is, is it something right. that I did to cause yes. this? Are we being punished? Um, yeah, we're being punished. Mm-hmm. I've actually known, um, you know, other parents who have been challenged. Like, is there secret sin in your life that mm-hmm. this is, you know, yeah. some cosmic retribution, you know, or down to something innocuous? Like, is it because I didn't? Is it because I ate sushi that one time when I was pregnant? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is coming back to haunt me. So there's this Christian karma. And so, you know, blame and judgment that we're responsible for this. And mm-hmm. I think also um, 
uniquely, there's this, you know, we talked about this suppressed outrage of how could God let this happen? And so you kind of have this like cognitive dissonance, like, okay, be thankful for God in all circumstances, but the reality is my life sucks right now. And I'm really, really angry and I don't know how to reconcile that. So, um, yeah, so there's this suppressed outrage and a spiritual crippling that happens um, and working out this funky theology of if God is good, how could he let this happen? And I think whether it's a disability, we all have to deal with that at some point because everyone gets screwed up in a broken planet. So we all have to deal with that. Let me tell my listeners this. So you've got a help checklist on your website that I think is fabulous. Um, because frankly, a lot of people say, tell me I, how I can help. Tell me how we can help you. But honestly, that's the kind of, that's too overwhelming and nonspecific yeah. um, to someone who truly yeah. needs help. Um, and anybody who's ever been in a struggle or crisis would tell you that, that I, I don't know how to pick something out of the air and give it to you. I just need you to do it. Right. Um, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the help checklist um, and how everybody else, all of us, how can we be tangible helpers and better mm-hmm. neighbors to our friends who have special needs in their homes? Um, so the help wish list came about just as a dilemma. It's, it, I've experienced this for myself. It's like, okay, I've got so much going on and boy, could I use some help? But there's something in us, so much shame and fear and guilt mm-hmm. of admitting, I can't manage my own family by myself. Okay. You know, none of us are going to come out there and volunteer that. So hello, can somebody pity me, pity poor Diane and, you know, throw yeah. me a bone here. And so there's this constant dilemma, this tension between a family who's struggling and who needs so many different ways of, you know, like if you were to ask me, I could tell you, or at least I have in my mind, at least 50 things that I could use help with. And then on the other hand, you've got what I call first responders, you know, family members, extended, uh, you know, friends and, you know, church community. And everyone's asking, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? And, you know, they're not mind readers. And so there's this chasm. It's like, how do we reconcile that? And so um, mm. it kind of came out of the blue. Like, what about a wish list? Kind of like a bridal registry or a baby registry to really bridge okay. that gap. And mm-hmm. so that people can offer help with dignity and people can receive help that need it with dignity. And so um, it's basically a PDF or an online form that you can mail to somebody and say, you know what, I really mean it that I want to help. And I know you've got a lot going on. So here's a checklist. And so it's basically, so I called my people for this. And I said, what are the basic things? What are the most common areas that we could really use help with that if you could really be honest, this is what would be on it. And so yes. um, just really, you know, yes. things that most people would not think of that are really helpful for us. It's like, oh, really? Coming over and doing your dishes or folding your laundry would be awesome. Oh, you have no idea. And mm-hmm. so it's categorical. So um, yeah, and it's customizable for each family. So um, that's the help wish list. That was really, really wise. And I could see that being used in a variety of, of, yes. of ways and in various crises and on permanent basis or temporary basis. That was so, so smart of you. Um, and that they can find that on your website, right? All of our listeners. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. So let me ask you this question. A lot of us are parents. Um, a lot of us are parenting, um, kids whose peers and classmates and neighbors and friends have, um, perhaps special needs. And so how, how would you suggest that we help our children um, understand the best ways to connect with and include and love um, other kids um, that have autism, for example? This is such a huge question. Um, mm-hmm. There is so much fear of getting it wrong. <laughs> there is so much fear of offending. 
that people tend to just back away. And this is true, whether you're talking about autism or a friend whose family member passed away. That's right. um, That we back away. And that actually ends up doing more damage than good. And so I think just to give some broad strokes here, number one, make it about the person who's going through stuff and not about your own discomfort or fear. Good. And so push through that, make it about their pain, not your discomfort or fear Mm -hmm. or self-preservation. The second thing I would say is people are afraid of drawing closer because they're like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Well, let me just take that off the table for y'all and say, you don't have to say or do anything. Just listen. Amen. I've said this a million times. Listen, and the same word, letters that are in the word listen are the same letters that are in the word silent. We will do the talking. There is so much in our heart that's conflicted. We need a safe mm. place to just kind of unpack it. You know what I really need from my friends? Just come and bring the emotional barf bag. I will fill it. Mm. I right. will fill it. Let the heart sick person fill it. You know, even when you're physically sick, what can anybody really say or do other than just to be there with you? That's compassion, right? To suffer with, just to be there, sit with me, but to be with someone in their pain. That is huge. And I think that goes underestimated. So, to listen and not be afraid of asking questions. And then this happens to us all the time. We're in the park or the playground or the mall and some younger child will say, mommy, what's wrong with him? Because my son doesn't behave typically. And so, you know, usually the mom is just horrified, like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times she'll be like, and just kind of jerk him away and say, no, 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 stop. You know, so let me redirect that. Um, So in the moment I call disaster recovery. (laughs) Right. Well done. Disaster recovery mode. Um, Lean into that, you know, just, I'm sorry, that was rude. We're still learning, uh, you know, and so don't be That's afraid good. to lean in, apologize for that moment of awkwardness, own it, say, you know what? My son has a lot to learn. I have a lot to learn and ask questions. What's his name? You know? Oh, that's so good. Thank you for that yeah. script. Um, that is a horrifying yeah. moment for most parents. And we, we just, you just freeze like, oh my gosh, how do we get out? That is so helpful. That is so helpful. Yeah. And and then on your end, you're probably <laughs> mostly glad to say, let me kind of explain this a little bit or give you a 60 second tutorial. I mean, Absolutely. is that what you do? Yeah. And it really depends on the situation. Sometimes we're having a difficult moment um, and it really is case by case, but compassion always sure. wins compassion always. Oh, that's good. Giving room for the other person to be heard, not making assumptions. Um, yeah, just creating that safe space and going, I'm sorry. Uh, you know what? I'll give you an example. Um, one of my friends, her name is Alice. She was masterful at this. Um, she has two sons that are around the same age as mine. Uh, and obviously Jeremy behaves a little bit atypically because he's working on his social skills. That's part of autism. And her sons had lots of questions. And so of course they would ask their mom and, um, the mom would come up to me later and she would call me. She says, you know what? I'm so bad at this. I don't even know what I'm doing and please forgive me. So she asked for pre-permission, pre-forgiveness. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-permission. Uh, so I like, may say the wrong words. Yeah. I may not have the terms right. Yeah. Right. That's good. But she would say, I care about you more than I care about, you know, me looking stupid. So please let me ask the questions. Would that be okay? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And so, you know, and then that just opened up a whole nother level of conversation and, and community and friendship, really. And so that actually leads me to my um, another point. So before disaster recovery can happen, mm-hmm. you know, preempt that and train your kids in advance of how to interact with folks who are different. And that really comes 
leading by example, you know, because some sure. more, a lot of these things are caught and taught. And so have the conversations at home, model it. How do we behave when we interact with somebody who's different, whether it's physically mm-hmm. or, you know, whether amount of convictions or whatever, how do we, because our kids are going to pick it up from us. Our kids are going to pick it up from us. Absolutely. Um, that's so useful. You know, you mentioned at the top of the show that one of the your greatest mom heartaches here um, is just sort of watching your kiddos struggle socially and have sort of a friend deficit. Mm. And so would, how would you advise us just in the day to day, not necessarily in, in the hot moment at target mm-hmm. or, you know, where you're having to sort of do recovery, but just like uh, parties and birthday stuff and social events, like, um, what would, what would be your dream scenario to see, um, your son's peers and their families do to just simply include him? I'll share with you things that have blessed my socks off that other people have done for us. The first thing is invite us. Please don't assume mm-hmm. that we don't want to be invited. Yeah. yeah. It, it may very well be that statistically we may not be able to come or that may not work for us, but it's huge just to know that you were thought of and included. So invite mm-hmm. us, you know, invite us to the mom's night out, even if nine out of 10 times we can't come because we can't get childcare. Invite us to the birthday parties, invite us to whatever, invite us to the fellowships. Even if the answer continues to come back, no, invite us. Um, so that would be the first thing. And so the second is when, you know, Jeremy has been invited or Justin has been invited to something and they include Jeremy say, um, so the mom will call me and say, you know what, you're invited. Jeremy's invited. What can we do to make this work for him? I don't want to make exceptions. You're the subject matter expert. Um, I'm mixing realms here between my role as a parent and also my role as a special needs ministry leader. I'll put out the SOS Mm -hmm. and go, help us help you. How can we make this successful? It's great. Um, you show me. And so that's opened the doors to lots of conversations as well. So yeah, invite us. And number two, um, ask us. That's great. Yeah. It's not that big of a mystery. Yeah. You know, I mean, as you're, you're as you're talking about, it, I'm thinking, of course, I, I, I don't know why it's why other families, well, why we become so skittish or nervous or afraid, like, Jeremy and his family, they want to just be invited and included like everybody else. Yeah. There's, this is not some big mystery here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have the tools for this. I appreciate that so much. Just your really like simple, direct instruction. So I wonder if you could just tell us what are some of the like best parts um, to being um, a family with, uh, one, with a son with autism, with a sp- sort of a special needs family? What are some of the unexpected blessings or things that we might not know about or that we might not see or they're hidden or tucked away somehow. Like what's the best stuff? Yeah. So much, Jen, so Mm. much. I would say this journey, this experience that I would have never chosen or volunteered for has been the greatest blessing in that this has transformed who I am as a person, as a follower of Christ that has transformed my family Mm. Um, and it has repercussions into the circles in which we travel in. And so this hardship, quote unquote, has been the best antidote for country club Christianity. Oh, I love this. It has rocked my world. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. It's just all the things that we run in pursuit of keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Kardashians. You know, we live in Silicon Valley. It's pretty clear what the markers of success Mm -hmm. and achievement are. Um, Mm. But at some point, you know, pretty early on, we had to accept, 
I will never be able to do that. Our family will never be able to do that. You know, we mm-hmm. live near Cupertino, which is one of the cities that just constantly pumps out, um, you know, contenders in the National Spelling Bee. My kid will never do that. And that's okay. And right. so mm-hmm. this life has a way of really galvanizing our faith and really separating. We're not going to live for that anymore. Mm. I'd love that. that. That's not as important anyway. You know, your book, Seven. This was our seven. Mm, yeah. This was our seven. It just yeah. made all of the fluff mm-hmm. fall away and go, what really matters? What really mm. matters in life? Um, what are we going to live for? What really is superfluous? And so mm. life as a family affected by disability really has been like the number one agent in our sanctification process. <laughs> there has been nothing... You that has been a steroid to my discipleship. And this has been the sharpest knife in heaven's drawer to chisel me no into doubt. greater Christ-likeness. And so for that, I am tremendously grateful um, hmm. personally and for what it's done for my family, who it's made my husband to be, um, who it's made my child to be, and the impact that our son has had in the community around him. So just so much, so much. But that's a short answer. Gorgeous answer. Just a beautiful answer. So listen, let's wrap this up. Um, these are a handful of little rapid fire questions that we've actually asked everybody in the parenting series of which you are the grand finale here. Um, and so just first come whatever comes to mind. So tell us something that your parents used to say that you were like, I'm positively not going to say that. Mm. And you say it, you do it, you do the thing you weren't going to do. I would say they were constantly saying life is not fair. Life is not fair. And, you know, <laughs> so when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever, right? <laughs> and, you know, they were, you know, Asian-American immigrants. And so, you know, oh, yeah. they really experienced that. Life is not fair. They got swindled. They got right. cheated. They got, you know, all of that. Um, but it's so ironic. I'm saying that to my kid, especially Justin <laughs> now. It's like, well, I'm sorry. Life is not fair. Why, why does <laughs> Jeremy know. get to be on the iPad all stinking day and I have to practice <laughs> trumpet? Life is not fair. Sorry, kid. Yeah. I know. That's the breaks. Um, I know. I hear my mom's voice come out of my mouth all the time and it just cracks me up. Um, so tell us this, what would you consider like looking back over these last years of parenting? What's one of your like mom moments where you're like, Oh, blew it. Absolutely blew it. Just one, right? Right. Totally. I mean, we have zillions to choose from. Oh my gosh. Okay. I will give you the most freshest one an hour ago, an hour ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not realize today was Justin's first day of school. <laughs> Give me all the hashtags of mom fail. Oh. Give me all the hashtags of mom fail. Okay. I'm dying. An hour ago, Jen. An oh, hour no. ago. And the only reason I found out was because oh, my, my neighbor gosh. in our son's carpool posted her kids, you know, first day of school picture. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Oh my gosh, and this so is I, amazing. Yeah. And so I had confused my other son's first day of school, which starts next Monday. And I just assumed it's the same district. It's just oh not the same. So thank God for my neighbor posting her kid's picture on Facebook. First day of school. I'm like, wait, what? Oh my gosh. Did you just zip him over to school real, real oh quick? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't even tell you. And I'm like, get it together. We got to go. At least you can make it the first period. Cause I got to go on Jen Hatmaker's podcast and talk about parenting. 
this is so amazing. I'm so happy that you said that. Like, I, this draws me to you. Listen, all the moms who are young, listening, parenting, like the babies and the toddlers, and you think that could never happen to me. You are wrong. It could happen to you. This is just how it goes. Listen, we carry a lot in our brains. We cannot remember everything. So um, that is that is awesome. Okay, last question. And we ask everybody in every series this final question um, by Barbara Brown Taylor, which is, what is saving your life right now? Oh, right now in the last two hours, it was my neighbor, my neighbor posting her picture, the, the picture of her kid going to first you know day school. What? Yeah, that saved my life. That's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot quit laughing about yeah. it. Your neighbor yeah. saved your life today. <laughs> so your kid didn't have an absence on the first day of school. Yeah, he, made it, he didn't make it to zero period, but he made it to first period. So thank you, neighbor. Amy Bennett out there, you've saved my life today. Thank you. Shout out to Amy. <laughs> Way to go, Amy. Uh, that's so amazing. Listen, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for sharing a little glimpse into your beautiful family and all that you've learned. I mean, your your breadth of like wisdom and at this point, expertise is so useful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thrilled to think about all my listeners just kind of hanging on to everything you're saying today as a bit of hope and instruction. And I'm just so grateful that you've given me this bit of your time. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that your kid made it to school today. I am just thrilled for all the things going right. All the things going right. Real quick, will you just tell everybody where they can find you online? Yep. Um, Come hop on uh, my website at uh, diandokokim.com, D-I-A-N-E-D-O-K-K-O-K-I-M.com. Um, subscribe there and connect with me on Facebook. I love, love, love. I'm a Facebook addict. Um, as you mm -hmm. can tell, I, I check it first in the morning. So yeah, um, connect with me at my website and on Facebook. And I would love to just do fellowship there. Love it. And guys, we'll have all that linked over on the transcript page, of course. Um, so you can get far more than we gave you in these 45 minutes. But anyway, okay, sister, so happy to meet you. Thanks again for coming on the show. Just cheering you on in every possible way. Thank you so much, Jen. It was totally a pleasure. Two amazing mamas right there. Uh, what a delight for me to meet them and get to hear their stories. And I'm so happy to introduce them to you, you guys. Um, I just am regularly inspired by how many amazing people are out there just building beautiful families and overcoming odds and inspiring the rest of us. And so, so many thanks to Jamie and to Diane for being fabulous, fabulous guests on this final episode of the parenting series, which I hope you have loved. I have absolutely loved it, but you guys listen up. You are not going to want to miss next week because we are kicking off a brand new series called for the love of books and wait until you see our lineup. OMG. Oh, we have some of the greatest authors and writers and thinkers. I just literally, I am so over the moon. So calling all readers, calling all book lovers, calling all writers, calling all aspiring writers, this series, you are going to love it, love it, love it. We are thrilled. Me and my whole team, we're just giddy over here. So for the love of books kicks off next week. Um, just a reminder that if if anything you heard in the parenting series, or frankly, any of the series, you can find over at jenhatmaker.com underneath podcast. 
where Amanda builds out this amazing transcript page for you every single week with links and resources and bonus content and pictures. And if you're not using that, you are like seriously missing out. So get over there, get all your memes. Listen, we really appreciate you sharing this podcast. Um, By the way, we've got a lot of graphics and memes you can drag right off the transcript page and drop into your socials. If you love an episode and you want your friends and your folks to listen to it, um, Amanda has those ready to plug and play. You can just pull them off and drop them in. So thank you for sharing the podcast and recommending it to your friends. Thank you for reviewing it and rating it and subscribing to it. Gosh, if you guys have not subscribed, go ahead and do it. It'll just pop up into your phone, right? Every single time we drop in a new episode. So um, anyway, you're the best listening community and me and my team are so thrilled to serve you week in and week out. And so do not miss next week, you guys. Come back for the love of books. You are gonna love it, that I can promise you. Okay, you guys, this is Jen signing off. Have a fabulous week. Hey guys, we're back for another segment of Jen's Favorite Things. So this is the part of the show where I share about some wonderful companies that are producing amazing products and giving back to charitable organizations and really worthy nonprofits. Plus, they have exclusive discounts and extras just for you, our podcast listeners. So here are today's favorites. Hey guys, I want to tell you about my dear friend, Jessica Honiger. So she's the founder of socially conscious fashion brand, Noonday Collection. You probably know. She's written a new book called Imperfect Courage. So if you care about making a difference in the world, you're an entrepreneur, you love fashion, or you're a builder and a dreamer, Imperfect Courage is fuel for all of that all of those reasons. So you can order it right now on amazon.com and anywhere books are sold. You'll be so glad you did. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.